Welcome to the Irish NFL show. New season, new look, and a new, that's not so much a face, but a voice to the, the podcast every week. Shane Brown, the Irish Independent, who will be taking up the mantle of our Tuesday podcast. Shane, it's great to have you involved. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate being sort of a, almost like a like a, a running back, hopefully not as undervalued as the running backs are these days, being sort of handed the ball to, to, to carry it on Tuesdays. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to working throughout what will hopefully be um, a busy season full of crazy storylines as the NFL always brings up. It feels like you're a bit of a deadline a deadline day signing, Shane. This only kind of came about recently as we had a good conversation at the, the game in the Aviva, which was a fantastic event to cover, I imagine, just as a sport and for the Irish Independent. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time I've, I've been in the Aviva Stadium, even though I'm a sports journalist, first time I've kind of been behind the scenes at an event like that and get to see the uh, the tunnels and, and just being sort of a part of such, of such a massive event. And um, I feel... I've, I feel really lucky and privileged that the guys at the Independent who got to let me do with the American football stuff and I get to be at events like that and hang around with, with you guys. And I mean, again, it's also a fantastic position for us to be as American football fans in Ireland to have this event going on every year. And I think it's just a part of the sort of growing interest uh, that uh, American football, the NFL, college football has uh, in Dublin and uh, and around the country. Anybody who watches our show and listens to the podcast will obviously recognise that. I'm a Giants fan, Colin Broncos, Connor is Bears fan. And uh, we try to remain as biased as we can throughout the course of the seasons, good seasons and bad. And obviously you're a Patriots fan, so I want to give a, a sense of how you came, how you came to be a Patriots fan. And uh, I suppose where do you are, are in terms of your expectations for the upcoming season? Um. This is, I'll start off with the prediction that's going to get egg in my face. It might already start uh, to sort of make people lose respect. I texted Conan there a couple weeks ago. I said, when you were doing your, uh, when yourself, Conor and Conan was doing the tiers and you had, I think you had the Patriots in the six to eight zone. I said, mark my words, the Patriots will be nine and eight this year. They'll find some way to get it. I was I was having a look through the, the schedule and I was picking out wins, picking out losses. I think they'll lose against, against the Eagles first week as much as that. Uh, as much as the old Tom Brady being back at Gillette Stadium uh, thing will have a buzz, come the second half, the Eagles will power through. Um, but I guess to explain why it is I'm a Patriots fan, and I guess when you're a Patriots fan, you kind of have to explain it because otherwise people think you're a, you're a bandwagoner or whatever. But um, but I lived in Massachusetts for a while. I was glad to say that I worked with a non-for-profit uh, near Boston uh, for a few years. And I, I was a American football fan before that, but I guess it was there that I kind of... Um, I built a love for the pages specifically. I, I got the chance to go to Gillette Stadium a couple of times. And Lawrence Guy was there with a few of the rookies back in 2017, 2018. And um, I, I still have a, a hat signed by him and a few other bits like that. So I guess sort of being in Boston, surrounded by, by Patriots fans. And it was the one thing, football was the one thing everyone bought into. Because some people who were basketball, some people baseball. But everybody loved uh, football. And everybody loved the Patriots, bar the one or two loud Steelers fans we had got that have fun arguments with all the time so um so that's where, where my where my uh, my love for them came, came from and obviously when you're watching and you see all the Super Bowls and Tom Brady and you get to know the the Belichick way and all this I think it, it's kind of it's one of those things maybe easier to kind of to, to follow and to fall in love with but um but no it's uh it's my love for the city of Boston and the people of Massachusetts and all that that kind of has my uh that won my heart for the New England Patriots so um I'm hoping that I'm as confident as some of the, as, as or the people in Boston, based on what I see on Twitter, are somewhat confident that the Patriots can somehow win the AFC East, which I'm not as confident as they are, but I'm hoping for, for a good season. 
And the podcast every Tuesday now, I mean, we've already touched on it there, but you're going to be covering all the teams essentially over the course. So it's like we do similar to what we do, but obviously you're going to try focusing on various different teams throughout the course of the season, good or bad, and obviously have a couple of beat writers and various different media outfits along the way. So um, an interesting piece to cover over the course, which should be a great season as, as we get ready for the kickoff this Thursday. Yeah, it's it's almost it's got these kind of things. It's almost uh, covering the bad the the bad teams as opposed to you know the Chiefs and the Eagles, wherever else are kind of more interesting because you get get a sense as to as to I guess what's going wrong or what people what people on the, on the ground are feeling. And, and as much as as I can, as much as we can, I'll be trying to get a view from the states. But um, it'll be different different every week, a different team every week. Um, just I guess for us trying to get some sort of deep dive throughout the season as to what's going on because of course there's thirty two teams in the league and. Uh, you know, the Giants fan and all the listeners know that when you follow your own team, your own division, sometimes things can get lost. So you don't necessarily know something else. So I'm going to try to keep this as different and try to come up with as many sort of different angles uh, each week as I can. Just so people feel, um, I guess, somehow at least a little more knowledgeable as about what's going on uh, across the NFL. Well, look, we're delighted to have you involved. And I think we should stop talking now and let you get on with it. So um, we'll kick off. This is the first uh, weekly so with Shane Brenning leading the Irish NFL show up with his special guest, which he's going to announce in due course as we get into this recording. For now, Shane, thanks very much. And we really appreciate you being involved. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL show. My name is Shane Brennan. And for this week's field report, we're going to focus on the reigning NFC North champions. And um, so talking about the Minnesota Vikings, I'm glad to have the host of the Vikings Happy Hour podcast, Matt Anderson, joining us from the Twin Cities area today. Matt, how are, how are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a it's an honor to be on this show, and and yeah, the the reigning NFC North champion Vikings has a nice ring to it. I hope we can, uh, you know, maintain that again this season. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to start because a lot of the talk around the NFC North is either that well. Don't even bother playing it. The Lions have already won it because they seem to be the hot favorites. Or other people sort of suggest that it's more wide open than than people think. Looking at it from this side of the Atlantic, I think there's a lot of there is a lot of hype and expectation that the Detroit Lions are going to win the division, maybe by two or three games. In Minnesota, is that the, the feeling that Detroit is a real threat uh, to Minnesota's crown, or is there more confidence in the Vikings' ability this year? I think a lot of Viking fans would probably say, what has Detroit proven thus far to say that they're going to supplant us in the NFC North? If anything, I think when you look at the Vikings' schedule heading into this season, that's the that's one of the biggest drivers for, for why people think we can't repeat as NFC North champions. I mean, just coming out of the gate, you have the Eagles, the Chargers, the Chiefs, like 49ers. These are really tough teams that you're going to have to go against. And for a team that won 11 one-score win games last season, which is very unlikely to repeat itself. Uh, there's there's doubters, and and I and I totally get that. But I think it's a little disrespectful to the team to say that uh, Detroit just has it, and that's it is what it is. Uh, because the Vikings, you know, they did show up in clutch situations last year and win those games. Um, so whether or not it's sustainable or not, I think until proven otherwise, they should be considered the favorite heading into this season. So, in terms of those one-score games, what does a successful Viking season look like? Or in terms of how the team is progressing, do you still want to try and, I guess, profit off those one-score wins and show the grit to, to grind them out? Or do you want to see that when the Vikings win, that they're able to 
kind of with Charlotte. They may not be able to get as many wins throughout the season, but when they do, it's more convincing. Um, what is the feeling in Minnesota? Yeah, I, I've been a big proponent this whole time of, I just need to see convincing victories this season. So last year, you know, we, we just talked about it, all the one-score win games. It's not repeatable, and it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. It's why a lot of teams or, or media outlets last year were calling the Vikings frauds towards the end of the year and even heading into that last playoff or that final playoff game. Um, and and I get it. it. It's it's a difficult thing to repeat itself. But, yeah, to your point, this season I want to see this team be convincing in their victories and in their losses. I would like to just see them be close. You know, last year in our losses we got blown out by Dallas. We got blown out by Philly. Um, and those kind of aren't the games that make you feel good about yourself. So I think just a culmination of winning games convincingly, and then if you are going to lose them, let's just stay close um, and, and not get completely blown out of the water. And I guess to turn attention to I think what we consider probably the biggest winner from the quarterback series on Netflix, uh, <laughs> eminently likable Kirk Cousins, Um I definitely think he has certainly more goodwill for but people who kind of see his inside life and how much he's a good guy. But at the same time, you have to accept the fact that, yes, he's a veteran and he's you know a top 10 quarterback. He may be number 10, but he's a top 10 quarterback. But he is turning 35 this year. There are question marks as to whether, you know, whether he can kind of sustain a high level of quality or is there going to be a drop-off? And if there is going to be a drop-off, whether, whether that is going to come this year. Do you think that Kirk Cousins has what it takes to keep the Vikings in the Super Bowl uh, conversation come November? Yeah, if you'd have asked me this question like three years ago, I probably would have given you a really quick no. Um, but I think circumstances have changed. I mean, Kevin O'Connell believes in Kirk Cousins, and I think that that's what Kirk Cousins needs from his head coach. Um, I think Zimmer was a good coach, but his, his, you know, his tenure kind of ran out, and he didn't show the support of Kirk Cousins, uh, much like Kevin O'Connell does now. And I just think that you can see and Kirk Cousins, obviously you saw it in the the documentary, um, just a super likable guy, but you're even seeing him being a little bit more comfortable just in, you know, press conferences, in practice. He's just got a little bit of a relaxed aura about him, which is, you know, kind of nice to see from the Vikings standpoint. And so I do think that, you know, it's really setting up for him to have a successful season again. It's year two under Kevin O'Connell, the same play caller in back-to-back seasons, which he has not had since his days back in Washington. Um, and then when you look across the offense, I mean, you have the best receiver in the NFL in Justin Jefferson. They just locked up a, an ascending tight end, depending on where you consider TJ Hawkinson in the tight end rankings, but he's up there. Um, drafted a spectacular rookie in Jordan Addison. And then people, you know, kind of forget about it, but KJ Osborne is a good receiver as well. So a lot of passing weapons, continuity on the offensive line. I mean, things are kind of shaping up for Kirk Cousins to have a really great season with the Minnesota Vikings. But just on the the, the weapons he had, the has around him in the offense, do you think that just that the Vikings rely too much on Justin Jefferson, that Kirk Cousins kind of picks him out too much? I know you have TJ Hawkinson as a, a pretty good tight end, but that there is kind of a feeling, I guess, in a lot of the, the Vikings chatter that, the Vikings might rely too much on Justin Jefferson, and that would make them kind of easier to defend against. Yeah, I think last year we kind of saw early on in the season teams were doubling Justin Jefferson, and it made it really difficult because Adam Thielen, he had a great career here in Minnesota. He had kind of lost a little bit of a step 
but I still think obviously this year he'll be good for the Panthers. But nobody was really taking advantage of those one-on-one opportunities. So that's why you saw Kwesi be a little bit aggressive and give up those draft picks for uh, TJ Hawkinson. Immediately, TJ Hawkinson stepped in, took advantage of those opportunities, um, and then they, they just added more weapons with Addison. So they might rely on Justin Jefferson a little bit too much, but when you have the best receiver in the NFL and he continues to make highlight plays week after week, you have to keep giving him the ball. Best receiver in the NFL, right? We'll, uh, we'll tag that on somewhere. Um, <laughs> what I, I guess in relation to the offense as well, you alluded to the fact that um, Kirk Cousins is cool. He's feeling more relaxed, I guess, in, in his presence and his second season with Kevin O'Connell as head, head coach. It is that kind of level of calmness and sort of being comfortable in his role as quarterback, a part of how the, the Vikings managed to win those 11 one-score games, five of them, which were only by a field goal. Um, and is that, you know, does does that maybe lower his ceiling a little bit that maybe he's calm enough to, to win those those tight games when he gets to the playoffs? You're not quite sure whether or not he can fire up enough to beat the Giants or beat the Eagles or beat whoever else that the Vikings could come across should they make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. Um, Kirk has always kind of presented himself as sort of this businessman uh, when he steps onto the field, just very kind of matter of fact. He's got his routines and and whatnot. So I think in those clutch situations last year, we really saw him, you know, like, like we said, have that calming presence about him, like, hey, we can do this. And when you keep winning week after week in, in, you know, clutching up those fourth quarter comebacks or those last game winning drives or the game winning field goals, whatever, when you keep doing that and building on it, it gives you more confidence in yourself. So I think last year was just kind of a a building block for Kirk Cousins. I think he proved to himself that he can do those things. He proved to the team that he can do those things. And so this season, I'd expect him to to just kind of build off of that and and hopefully provide some more stability uh, on the quarterback side. And in terms of the NFC North rivals who are trying to take Minnesota's crown off them, <laughs> yes. um, when you're looking at, we know Detroit obviously have a lot of hype and people are expecting good things from them. But in terms of Chicago and Green Bay, I think they're both kind of unknowns. They're, they're known unknowns. We have no idea where they're going to come out, where they're going to have three win seasons or ten win seasons. There isn't no way in kind of, I guess, having a proper way to predict that. Mm-hmm. What is it that people in Minnesota are expecting from, I'd say the Packers first, because with Jordan Love coming in, they're the youngest squad in, in, in the NFL. Do the Vikings sort of expect that this is a time to have a bit of supremacy over the, the Packers for a couple of years while they're rebuilding, or is there, I guess, a bit of stranger danger about the new faces coming into Green Bay? Yeah, I think the NFC North in general is just a big question mark, because when you have Green Bay, Chicago, even Detroit, um, and not really knowing what Minnesota is going to do in year two under Kevin O'Connell, that's that's a lot of unknowns. But it, it, specifically for Green Bay, I think most Viking fans are just hoping and praying that they don't end up with another Hall of Fame quarterback because it's just been ridiculous to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And now if Love turns out, that would just be a disaster. But I don't think anyone's really threatened by the Green Bay Packers, at least not yet. Um, they're going to have to prove their way this season. Obviously, their defense took a step back last year, um, and I think it's actually better than maybe how they performed. Uh, But yeah, Jordan Love is a big question mark. He showed some promise in preseason. Um, They put some talent around him. I know they went out and they got uh, Luke Musgrave, 
Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Obviously, Christian Watson had a good rookie campaign along with Romeo Dobbs, but and they still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and one of the best offensive lines, too, uh, in the NFL. But I think they have a lot of potential, too. They could be a team that surprises not only the Vikings, but the rest of the NFC. Um, and, yeah, it, it'll all depend on Jordan Love, really. And in terms of Chicago, then, obviously, we see almost every week yeah. uh, we've seen highlight reels from what Justin Fields could do. We almost every week the, the Bears seem to, to follow the losing side. So they obviously need to kind of figure out a way for them to sort of get wins out of the talent they have. Again, from a Vikings point of view, is do you feel like that the Bears are a threat this season? Are they a threat in two years' time? How, how, how long is it until the Vikings really feel that, that going to Chicago and playing in Soldier Field is a really, really tough game? Well, the Vikings always struggle in Soldier Field, unfortunately. But uh, I think when you look at the Bears roster, Ryan Poles, when he stepped in as GM, he really wanted to tear it down and build it from the ground up. And I think he's actually done a really good job. I love how he maneuvered the draft pick trade last year to Carolina, um, securing DJ Moore in that as well, giving Justin Fields a really great weapon. You know, we see in the past teams have given their young quarterbacks a true number one. I mean, you look back when Josh Allen was young, the Bills were aggressive in getting Stephon Diggs. And so I think maybe that we could see that sort of ascension with Justin Fields and, and DJ Moore, but I still think that roster is a little bit incomplete. Um, they might battle for, you know, a handful of games, but I would anticipate they still finish towards the bottom of the NFC North this year. But yeah, they're a team that in a couple years, you know, they start adding all this talent um, and they have an, uh, an ascending quarterback in Justin Fields. They could be a, a powerhouse too. So the NFC North is, is shaping up to be, you know, pretty scary in a couple of years. Even the Vikings have a trajectory to to really open their Super Bowl window um depending on how this season goes, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of young talent um and I think when you look at Justin Fields and what he did last year, if if he can build on that, yeah, they could surprise teams too. It's it that's where the big question mark is on the NFC North. We just don't know how these quarterbacks are going to translate into this this next season. And also the guys who are tasked with stopping uh, Justin Fields and Jordan Love, the defensive side of the ball of the Vikings. We know that uh, Brian Flores has come in as the new defensive coordinator, yeah. which is quite big news. I guess before we get on to what Flores can do, what is it that you you feel as somebody who watched the Vikings quite a lot? What is it that he needs to fix for the Vikings to turn from a team that were pretty good in the regular season to a team that can say, hey, we're here to go to the NFC Championship game and we're here to, to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think just being aggressive is is the one thing that we want to see. Just competency, really. I mean, last season it was so frustrating to watch this defense kind of get walked all over. And in crucial situations, they almost played back and let teams just kind of nickel and dime them down the field, which was another reason we were in a lot of one-score games at the end of or over the course of 2022. So just Brian Flores' aggressiveness, his blitzing style nature, um, we, we've – there's just a buzz among training camp and in preseason just about all the different looks that they can get. Harrison Smith looks rejuvenated. Um, and so I wouldn't expect, like, I think we were 31st against the pass last year and, like, in the 20s against the run. I wouldn't anticipate us taking a huge step forward. But if we can just be competent and, you know, 
win the turnover battle when we can and, and, and just apply pressure on teams instead of allowing them to kind of walk all over us. I think that's all we can really hope for in year one of Brian Flores, and let's just hope beyond that there's a year two because if Brian Flores does too good a job, he's going to be gone. I, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a that's a weird thing to hope for. I want you to I know I want, I want the offense to do even better. Just to, just to just so you can stay here. Yeah, um, it's a weird thing to hope for. And I guess I guess in terms of the what Brian Flores has to work with, we know that um, the Vikings have lost a couple of quarterbacks in the offseason. And in so how do you feel that the recruitment team have done on the defensive side of the ball? Have, do you think that the the defensive talent is better than it was this time last year, or are there still a few unknowns? Yeah, last year's roster was full of some slow aging veterans, and so this year, Kwesi Adofa-Mensa, you know, he he kind of did the hard goodbye to guys like Eric Kendricks. Patrick Peterson is gone. Um, there's still some some names that people will obviously remember, such as uh, you know Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, like I mentioned. Um, but it's a young young group. I still I will say the one thing that's what that's good about this unit is they seem to have speed again, which is nice. Because when you have slow defenders in a passing league, that's just really difficult on your defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the sky is kind of the limit for the defense. If they can put it all together, there's a young secondary uh, led by Byron Murphy Jr., who we brought over from the Arizona Cardinals this last year. Daniil Hunter's back, and we know what he can do. But again, it's it's a lot of just potential. Like, what can these guys do? What can a Caleb Evans do in his second season? What can Marcus Davenport do? An injury-prone uh, pass rusher from the Saints. You know, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy, but if he does, that could be a game changer too. And then when you even look at uh, at the linebacker position, Brian Osamoa last year kind of, you know, broke onto the scene and and had a really great end of the end of his rookie season. The Vikings brought in undrafted free agent Ivan Pace, who's now on his way to starting potentially Week One, depending on if Brian Osamoa's shoulder injury is healed up well enough or you know maybe he just out outplayed him in training camp we, we don't know we haven't quite seen the the depth chart but yeah the the defense is just again a question mark but if people kind of can step up and, and hit their potential I think again this this defense could be a very good unit and before we get we get into talking about the the week one matchup against Tampa Bay Buccaneers I just want to dive a little bit into the preseason because the Vikings lost all three of their games against the Seahawks, the Titans, and the Cardinals. I know it was only by one point against the Cardinals. We tend not to read too much into preseason, but the fact that it's 0-3, is there anything we can we can read into this? Is there anything that the Vikings have learned before we head into this, or is there any cause for concern? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing you can read into it is if, if the starters go down, we might be screwed because the backups don't look really great. Um, there were some guys that flashed, of course, I think the offensive line really stood out as a team that we should be con- or a unit that we should be concerned about should any starters go down. Um, they did bring in a couple guys. I'm, I'm spacing on what the name from the guy from the Bengals, um, but they also traded, you know, a, a young uh, developmental tackle in Bedarian Lowe. So I don't think we can take a whole lot from it. It's really just about our our players not making the same mistakes week over week. I think Jaron Hall actually was somebody that did very well week over week. You know, he started at kind of rock bottom. And then in, in the last week, he showed a lot. Um, Ty Chandler kind of proved his case to be running back too. I think some of the receivers, such as Brandon Powell, 
really earned their their mark uh, on this roster with how they performed in preseason. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they played Lewis Seen a lot. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt in practice just a couple weeks ago, so we'll see if he comes back. But, yeah, not a whole lot to, to take away from preseason. Um, but depth might be a concern if, if, we, if we take away anything. And I guess just on that with the you, you talk about the offensive line that that could be somewhere that um, you feel to be weak if starters go down. Does that mean that Cousins, as a quarterback who I want to don't want to say old, but he's not he's, he's not fresh. He's not, he's not a a draft, but he is probably more prone to getting hit. We've seen a lot in the quarterback yeah. uh, documentary versus that, but he's doing a lot of work on his body, making sure that whatever kind of aches and aches and pains he has, which I guess everybody picks up that he's trying to keep them off. But does that if let's say, you know, one or two of the tackles go down for a couple of games. Does that mean that Kirk Cousins basically has a target on his back, people trying to get at him and hurt him and, and you know, blunt his abilities? Is that something that the Vikings need to be worried about? Yeah, I mean, I think they're worried about it regardless if anybody goes down. Last year, he got hit all the time, like constantly. And you even saw it in that documentary, just hit after hit. And the one thing that I will say about Kirk Cousins that's always impressed me throughout his time in Minnesota and his career in the NFL he is a very durable quarterback, and I'm knocking on wood right now, hoping I don't jinx that this season. But he'll take shot after shot, and he'll still get up, and he'll he'll still, you know, go out after at the next play. So, I think the the offensive line, you know, they brought in Josh Oliver, who's a very good blocking tight end. So hopefully, if a tackle went down, you could maybe help offset that by kind of putting Josh Oliver on whatever tackle uh, got hurt. But yeah, I mean, the offensive line is. They were serviceable last year. They need to play better. They need to protect Kirk Cousins. They need to give him the time um, to get to all these weapons that he has. That's great. And moving on to uh, to this Sunday's matchup uh, in Minnesota between the Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, my original question was, do you reckon Tampa Bay are, are, are going to try and rush in and try to take down Cousins? That's got to be their tactic. But I guess, I guess that's, that might make sense naturally. But I don't know. Personally, I, I'm not very big on, on Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're, they're going to be they're going to be very easy to beat. But that doesn't mean anything. What you know, going going into this game, what what can you? I guess what are you expecting uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you reckon they'll put up a challenge? Yeah, I think just week one in the NFL is is always difficult because you don't know what these teams are going to be like, especially with with the Bucks and a new quarterback as Baker Mayfield. We saw Baker Mayfield at US Bank Stadium a couple seasons ago uh, versus the Browns and or back when he was with the Browns and he didn't play great um, back then. The one thing that stands out with me for Baker Mayfield though is he is able to improvise so we need to get to hit him early and rattle him a little bit because Tampa Bay has some weapons too. I mean Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are two legit wide receivers in the NFL um, and we have a young secondary so it could be a back and forth battle or it could be one of those games where it's really close in the first half and maybe the Vikings, you know, take off in the second half. It's going to be a lot of each team kind of feeling each other out and seeing, hey, what are they doing? We got to get back in to the locker room at halftime and really make some key adjustments in order to secure a win. So I'm not, I, I do think we win on Sunday, uh, but I don't know if it'll be as easy as most fans think. And that's only because it's week one of the NFL, not a lot of, game tape to to really you know practice against and looking ahead as well on the the following Thursday night 
Um, if I'm right in saying that the Vikings are traveling to Philadelphia, yes, isn't that? Yeah. yes. So and th- that's a, that's tough because obviously the Philadelphia it's going to be their home opener. Trying yeah. there on a Thursday after after um, not getting much recovery time. Now we know the Philadelphia have to play in New England, which probably isn't as tough a challenge as it used to be. <laughs> um, do you think the Vikings have have a chance of, of sort of putting up a, a challenge in that game, or you know, do, does the risk of not being able to recover enough in terms of your body and all the hits being taken mean that by the time they get to Philadelphia on Thursday night, they're a little bit bloated? Yeah, we uh, th- the episode will drop tomorrow on my show, but we had a we had Josh Metellus, the safety for the Minnesota Vikings, on, and we were talking to him just about Thursday night games, and he was going on and on about how the players do not like Thursday night games. But he did say that early in the season obviously makes it a little bit easier because your bodies are fresher than they are later on in the season. Uh, but this team has a, a, a sour taste in their mouth uh, heading into Philly. You know, last year they lost 24-7. to I think the year before, I don't remember the score, but they just historically these last five years, we cannot beat Philadelphia. And so there is a there is a bad taste in their mouths and they want to go in and, and – upset the the Eagles but that's going to be a challenge too because the Eagles again coming off a Super Bowl uh, appearance they still have again two great receivers in Devonta Smith and AJ Brown uh, Dallas Goddard at tight end is you know right probably in that TJ Hawkinson tier so a lot of weapons to go against this young secondary and then you know they went and got De- DeAndre Swift from the uh, from the Detroit Lions who's a shifty back as well and Obviously, Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate, that's difficult as well. So they might have a sour taste, and they they might want to go in and, and you know beat Philadelphia, and I hope they do. That is going to be a very, very tough test, and I think that game will tell us way more about this team than week one will versus the Buccaneers. And looking ahead into a season, you alluded to earlier the fact that the Vikings have a very tough schedule, the fact that they play the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. Now, luckily enough, I think a lot of them are kind of further into the season. They're not too many early on. Mm-hmm. What do you think, all-encompassing, uh, that a good season looks like for the Minnesota Vikings? A good season for me, again, is it, it goes back to those convincing wins that we talked about earlier in the show. Um, I just want to see us kind of make the playoffs and it make a little bit of noise. Uh, I think that this whole team, again, when you think about what happened last year, people are calling them frauds. They want to prove people wrong. And they'll have an opportunity to do that this year. They're going to play against legit playoff contenders uh, on a at least semi-weekly basis, and they just need to go out and prove that they belong to be belong with those teams. And if they can't do that, then you know they're going to be sitting <laughs> and getting a lot of criticism from the rest of the NFL. But yeah, convincing wins. Let's make the playoffs. Let's make a little bit of noise in there. Um, I want to see this offense be one of the best ones we've seen in a long time too. And just on a final point regarding the Minnesota's ability to play well in the playoffs, I know that's been kind of a sort of a long-standing problem with the franchise. But we know that they came into the game with the Giants as favorites, maybe not necessarily hot favorites, but as pretty strong favorites against a Giants team that struggled to make the playoffs in the end, but still made it. Do you think that if something happens in the regular season that the Minnesota Vikings kind of come into they make the playoffs, but they come into their playoffs, maybe it's a sixth or a seventh seed, and they're underdogs. You think that kind of maybe suits the team better than a home game against a team that they're fancied against, that 
maybe that kind of underdog mentality, if they got to travel to somewhere like, I don't know, Detroit or San Francisco, that would, that would make them a more difficult team to play than it would be uh, playing in Minneapolis. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask any NFL team, if they're an underdog, they always want to go in and, and kind of beat opposing teams. Um, but it just is so difficult to win on the road. And you mentioned a team like San Francisco, that's a tough place to play. So I think the preference would always be to play here at U.S. Bank Stadium, which was ranked one of the top, if I think maybe the top stadium by The Athletic recently. Um, and it's it's a it's a loud environment and it's legit home field advantage. So I think yeah, the preference would obviously be to play here, um, but they'll embrace that underdog role if they have to go on the road. I absolutely believe that. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I uh, yeah. I wish you well in your coverage of the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Anderson, uh, you can find him on Twitter. We'll make sure we link him on to uh, this podcast. You can also find him on the Vikings Happy Hour podcast. And let's hope the Vikings have many happy hours. Uh, yes. We're not, we're not quite sure when the child is Billy in a couple of weeks' time, but you never know. You never know. You know, the NFL, it's, it's never, you know, it's, it's never really a given. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely, Shane. Thank you.